Hi, I'm Scott, and welcome to Episode 4, Series 1 of Child in Time, Growing Up in the 60s. Welcome. All you can eat. Yes, this time we're looking at food and drink in the 1960s from a child's point of view. Before school, mum would make our lunches. Every day except for Mondays. Why? Well, bread bought on Friday was stale by Monday and you couldn't get fresh bread until Monday morning. We were given a shilling, or after 1966, 10 cents to buy lunch. You'd write your order on a brown paper bag and the tuck shop mums would make up the orders. In winter, you could get a meat pie or a sausage roll. The rest of the week, mum would make sandwiches wrapped in greaseproof paper as we eagerly awaited the invention of Glad Wrap and its introduction to the Australian market in the late 60s. At school, plain lunchtime, aka morning tea, we had school milk. The school milk program was introduced in the 50s and was a thing until the federal government abolished it in 1973. Every child was to drink their one-third of a pint glass bottle of milk every day. The program was originally designed to increase children's weight and build them up. Now, anyone who had several years of school milk will remember the challenge of summer, when the milk was warm, even after just a few hours in the hot Australian morning sun. The hot milk would invariably induce vomiting in an average of one child per class. One year, a boy in my class vomited up his milk every day during summer. You had to have a note from a parent to be excused from having to drink your milk. Straws were provided, but most of us just chugged it down. It was much nicer in winter. Icy cold milk really hit the spot. Researching the school milk program, some report that the school milk program actually put them off milk for life. Well, we're talking milk. We had a milkman who delivered milk to our doorstep every day. We used to get six pints a day in foil silver-topped glass bottles. That's about three litres, but there was six of us. Also, the milk was not homogenised, so the top of the bottle was all cream, and we would fight over the cream to put on our cereal. Once a week, an envelope would be left with, with the empty bottles for the milk to collect. The money was never stolen either. Recently, I did some helping out in a local school canteen. There were the usual pies, sausage rolls and sandwiches. And also there were things like fruit tubs, popcorn, fruit drink and a range of other healthy fare. Most of it was just healthy stuff. Where was all the fun stuff like we had when I was a kid? Mm. 
When I went to the counter of my school canteen in, say, 1967, the range of sugary treats available could give you diabetes from just looking at it all. Cream buns, jam donuts, vanilla slices, matches, finger buns, pineapple donuts, soft drinks, ice creams, ice blocks, Kit Kats, Jupiter bars. I'm sure I'm forgetting some of the other things. Children have always loved lollies and such. I mean, I certainly did. The science of nutrition and healthy eating was still in the teething phase compared to now. Here's a partial list of some treats. Some of these have passed into history, but others are still going strong, albeit at 30 times the price we paid back then. See if any of these ring a bell. Sherby's. Fantails. Choo-choo bars. Wagon wheels. Golden ruffs. White knights. Redskins. Mint patties. Bananas. Milk bottles. Freckles. Cobbers. Mates. Sherbet fountains. Teeth. (laughs) Yeah. So let's move on to the freezer. And there were the iconic Sunny Boys. These tetrahedral, which is kind of like a pyramid-shaped ice blocks, were incredibly popular. The Sunny Boy was orange-flavoured. But there was also Raz, that was raspberry. Zap was the lime one. But my favourite was the Glug, which was cola flavoured. Always eaten frozen solid. Someone clever at chemistry could tell me why one side was rock hard and the other was richer in the sweet syrup flavour and the ice was softer so you could bite into that. The good thing about the design was that even if the pack thawed out completely, you could just refreeze it. And if it was unopened, you were good to go again. You couldn't do that with an ice block or an ice cream. They don't make Sunny Boys anymore, apparently. But there have been petitions and such to revive them. If it ever does happen, please make some glugs as well, please. Thank you. There would be cursory warnings about the consequences of eating too many lollies, but the innate drive for sugar was stronger. But here's the thing. Looking at my old school class photos, and I do have just about the full set, I struggle to find any kid who looked to be overweight at all. Okay, so we didn't have weight issues but there were consequences and a bill to be paid for all the empty sweet calories. I never went to the dentist and came away with just needing a clean. Oh, no. Once when my three brothers and I went for our dental checkup, I achieved a record of having 10 cavities that needed filling. I can confidently say that this record remains to this very day. 
Yeah, of course I brush my teeth. But, but fluoridation of the water supply was introduced to my city in 1968. By then, a lot of the damage had been done. There was actually a couple of kids in my year in primary school who had teeth that were rotting. You could see it. Okay, we move on to soft drinks or lolly water, as some teachers called it. The first canned soft drink was produced in Australia in 1961 by Tarax. Who remembers Tarax? The cans were steel, and to open one, you needed a church key, which is sort of like a bottle opener with a sharp point. Then someone invented the first pop-top opener. Unlike the current openers, the first ones should have come with some band-aids attached to the side of the can. If you wanted a soft drink, the can often demanded a blood sacrifice as you cut your finger as you tried to get the thing open. Soft drink bottles were made exclusively of glass and you could return empty bottles to the shop for a tidy sum if you got hold of enough of them. One friend of mine would collect a bunch of empty bottles, take them to the corner shop for the refund. I think it was about three cents a bottle. He would then return to the shop the next day but climb over the back fence of the shop where the bottles were stored and grab some more bottles and return them. That was real recycling. Takeaway food. The only takeaway I ever had, indeed the only takeaway near us at all, was fish and chips. We had fish and chips every Thursday night. There was a Chinese restaurant at the other end of the suburb, but I only recall ever going there once. That was it. None of the fast food chains had yet to arrive on our shores, and the closest I got to a pizza was seeing it depicted in American comics. And I was in my late teens when the first McDonald's opened in Australia in 1971, and a Big Mac cost 49 cents. Supermarkets were only just getting going in the 60s. There certainly wasn't one anywhere near us. Most of the time, food was purchased from the local shops, meat from the butchers, and they had this really cool sawdust on the floor. You got your fruit and veg from the greengrocers and groceries from the grocery store. Expiry dates on food only became law in 1978. So in the 60s, it was not that unusual to say, pour milk on your cereal to find the milk had gone off, or to find weevils or grubs in a packet or something. And chicken. There wasn't anything like the chicken we have now. We were only allowed to ask for chicken for our birthday. It was just too expensive to have regularly. At home, our evening meal. On the table at 6pm every night was invariably meat and two veg. There was never any variation. When I was quite little, we sometimes had rabbit for dinner, presumably from the butchers. So usually dinner would be a chop or sausages or similar with maybe some mashed potato and peas or beans. The 
very long list of condiments at our place consisted of salt, pepper, and tomato sauce. That was it. We never had mayonnaise, mustard, chutney, or any other exotic, otherworldly additives to spoil the powerful simplicity of our diet. Dessert, if we had it, was something like, say, canned pears or peaches and some ice cream. On Sunday, we'd have a Sunday roast, one of those rolled roasts with string around it. As one of four very active growing boys, we had very good appetites. Any leftovers would go to the first boy who had finished his main meal. As I grew up, I realised one day that whoever I was with, wherever I was, I was always the first one finished. It was literally fast food. It took years of conscious effort to learn to eat at a normal rate. So ingrained was my drive to devour leftovers. If at our house, for any reason, you were late for dinner, your dinner would be kept warm in the oven. Sure, the oven kept your meal warm, but the oven would remove any last vestige of moisture from the food, along with the taste. Mm. Can I just thank Dr. Gustav Microwave for his invention of this wonderful appliance that has changed our lives for the better when it comes to heating food. You know, I read somewhere recently that by the time you're well into your adult years, half your taste buds are gone. So if you think food tasted better when you were a child, it probably did. Thanks for listening. Please do me a favour and tell at least just one other person if you enjoyed it so they can listen. Please like and follow and I'll see you next week. Talk soon.